In this episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series, there are adult themes and swear words. So please be careful. If you're listening to this in your car with your kids in the back seat, maybe listen to a different episode and come back to this one. Adult content is coming up. Business is 80% mindset. First time I heard that, I thought, rubbish, rubbish. It's not mindset. Just tell me what to do. All I want to know is what to do. Give me the step-by-steps. Give me the guide. It's nothing to do with mindset. I just need to get on with it. Now, as a 40-year-old, as a 42-year-old, I look back and I realize mindset is so important. Getting yourself in the right state in the morning, being able to take action, making things happen continuously, and dealing with the doubters, the problems, the setbacks, the things that happen, and staying positive in light of it all. Welcome to the final episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series with Jamie, which is all about the mindset. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So this is the final episode of The Rebel Coaching Series with Jamie. Welcome back to the show, Jamie. Hi, Alan. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I've been both looking forward to this and also a bit sad that it's our last episode of this series because, well, they're being released as we record this and we need to record this and edit it to finish like when it comes out. So it's kind of crazy. Time has flown by. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah, time's fucking flown by. The last one we did could have been the last one, I think. Like we did a real wrap up of things and not too much is different. Well, actually lots. That's a big lie. Tons is different. (laughs) I don't know why I fucking said that. It could have been the last one, but it was nice. I just didn't feel like it was a good completion. And I thought like somehow magically in like a couple of weeks, I'd finish everything up. If anyone's just tuning in for the first time, maybe go back and listen to the just the last one before this. If this is your like, I'm just going to pick up on Jamie right at the last episode, see what happened. Like last week was on a very special episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur. So a lot of, a lot of emotional things and probably a lot of emotional things once again, because yeah, it's just lots of stuff. I'm going to stop babbling. Yes. Why don't you talk? Uh, <laughs> you talk, Alan. So let's, um, let's sort of have the update. Let's step away from the Kickstarter and the project because you found a new job, haven't you? I have. I was kind of telling you off air. And when I look back at the timeline of my life since the Kickstarter, it has been fucking nonstop, just like nonstop. And the end of it all is, and I know anyone who listened to episode one was like, literally episode one, I'm like, I want to quit my job. <laughs> so yes. spoiler alert, I did. I got an opportunity for a contract, just like a part-time contract at my a company my friend is working at, and he wanted to get me in. And I was like, do I quit my job for a contract? This seems such a stupid idea. I'm getting paid a lot. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm such a jobber. I'm really good at having a job, by the way. Like entrepreneur <laughs> stuff. I love There's I nothing be an entrepreneur. wrong with that. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I really, in my heart of hearts, want to work for myself, but I am so good at having a job. I am so responsible. I am always on time for things. I never miss my deadlines. I'm just like fucking little keener. And also, I guess I have that terrified fear of just going out on my own. So I called everyone I knew, including you. I left you quite a few voicemails, if you remember. <laughs> Panicked, stressed voicemails of what I should do. Do I quit? Do I quit? Yeah, do I quit? Do I not? Like, can you please tell me what to do with my life? So the scenario was part-time contract that could turn full-time. Mm. I have savings. I have, so I have like a security blanket. And, you know, if this contract does, and I have, illustration contracts. I have this other contract, which is not illustration, but it turned into, turned into illustration. What the fuck? I don't want to say too much about myself. It's an e-learning, which is online course creation. And you know, one of my friends said, if this contract ends and you're unemployed, you can look for a job 40 hours a week. You'll find something you have hardly been looking. And I was like, you're right. You're right. But part of me thought, no, I'll, I'll never find another job because I just won't because I'm incompetent and I'm actually not really talented. And I fooled everyone into thinking I was talented and all that stuff. So that was all the things that were going through. Some imposter syndrome. Oh, God. Uh, some, yeah. So much imposter syndrome, like literally every day of my life. So I did quit my job and it was a great decision. It was the best decision ever. I, oh man, I hope my boss never hears this. I told them it was because I was stressed because of my father passing and helping my mom. And those were not untrue things, but I didn't tell them I had this contract. Well, spoiler alert, the contract was going to maybe turn full-time, maybe by the end of the year. Within a month, I've been hired full-time with higher salary Within than my month. last job. Wow. Within a month, higher salary than my last job. My first contract there, like, is me drawing. I get to draw their client as superheroes. What the fuck, Alan? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I get <laughs> and to they're draw amazing drawings. I love that. And they love them. They fucking love them today. And the client call, the client was using my background that I drew as her team's background. I was like, Whoa. what? <laughs> so, yeah. So, they loved it. Well, I think it's really interesting because I don't think we've ever touched on this in the podcast before, but... If you run a mini experiment, if you dive into entrepreneurship and have a go in your spare time, you will learn stuff like skills, ideas, ways of saying things. It changes you as a person. It cannot help but change you as a person. And then those skills you develop, if you've still got a job, will directly help there. Like there is a direct thing. And it's unbelievable. Quite often people come on the Rebel Business School courses and we see a large uplift, not just in self-employment and businesses started, but in employment as well. And just learning the skills of sales, marketing, even it just helps you to talk to the different departments and the managers because you're like, I know what you're going through. I have marketed stuff before. <laughs> I've done that. And it completely changes the way you do things. And I always say, like, there's no right or wrong answers in life. And I think sometimes when people feed back to me what they've been up to, they're like, oh, I'm really sorry, Alan, I took a job. I'm like, I don't care. Are you happy? <laughs> Are you making money? Are you happy? That's all I care about. And I don't think there's anything wrong. Like some employers and bosses are phenomenal and they harbor cultures of confidence, creativity. They look after you. Some work places are septic. And if you find the right one, if you find the right job, I mean, you can make money doing anything. And like the same is true with jobs. I'm always constantly surprised. Like you've got a job doing what? Someone pays you to do that. So I think 
yeah, for everyone listening to this, if you go into one of these mini experiments and you do a test, don't be surprised if opportunities turn up elsewhere just because you're a more confident, happier person. Uh, and it's really interesting how it happens. Yeah, that's super interesting. Like, I don't think um, I directly correlated the skills of my entrepreneurialism to this job, but there's a lot of confidence. Well, I mean, yes, in many ways, because like I kind of taught myself everything I know in design and art and all the software I use and everything. So definitely that is like concrete, my entrepreneurial skills, like concretely, you know, used. But there's a huge confidence that I have. And even, I mean, all the marketing stuff we did, we could even talk about like me putting <laughs> myself out there, selling myself and selling myself in the way of like just being a real human person. Like everyone is super excited to work with me at this company. I get along with them so easily already, you know, there's good rapport. So I think that, yeah, there's just a lot of crossover in these things. And that's awesome. I feel really good about this. And like, I would love to continue the conversation about imposter syndrome because everyone loves the work I'm doing. And until that moment when I got like the feedback, I was just like losing sleep over these drawings. Like, are they good enough? Will they like them? Is the work I'm doing good? Is this shit, you know, just like a storm of emotions of, I don't feel good enough. And I know part of it is my past boss was constantly tearing apart all the work I did and never. So I, I, at one point I'm like, I literally told him, I'm like, why don't you just fire me? Like, if you don't like everything I'm doing, like, obviously I'm not a good fit. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, like, anyways, whatever, you know, he's backtracking and, and no, no, you're good. And blah, 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 blah. Anyway. So I have like this literal experience of like a boss telling me that I'm not good enough and yet hanging on to me. And then I also am sort of trying to figure out, like, I've always sort of felt this way. As a kid, I remember very vividly, like, every time I go to the next grade, I'd be like, I'm going to fail. I'll never make it. And I never, I, I was like, not the best in my class, but I always had good grades. There was no reason, <laughs> no reason for me to feel this way. And I constantly felt this way. My parents were supportive. Like, I don't know why I have. Where did this, this come from? Yeah. Where's this voice know. from? I don't know. I was going over this with my therapist. And we were trying to figure out, like... And my dad was a great person who like supported us, but he was also very overbearing, maybe. Like he would do everything for us, just everything. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like I was sheltered. I mean, it's the only thing I can think about. Like I was sheltered a lot and I didn't have these very pinnacle growth moments where you kind of step out and do your own thing early as a young child, you know, go to the store by yourself. I don't know. I know it sounds dumb, but like, this is the only thing I can kind of think of, of like, I had a super, super, super sheltered childhood. And then the moment I grew up, it was like, life was terrifying, just terrifying to me. I think it's really interesting to look to see where it comes from. But in essence, we don't really need to know because the best thing about the past is it's the past. And yeah. we're here now, stuck together. You're stuck with me, Jamie, on the podcast. And we can work out what to do next. Because the thing I care about most is your future. That's the thing I care about most. So what we need to do is work out how to neutralize these voices, how to help you feel confident. Because if you go out there into the world and we've got these new reference points. Okay, so let's talk about beliefs for a second. Believing that you are a good artist, believing that you are a bad artist, they are beliefs. Neither are actually true. Um, you are an artist, and depending on perspective, <laughs> some people will say great and some people will not. Um, but they're a belief, and you get to decide on your beliefs. 
And the way I see it is a belief for me. Imagine a belief is a table and the tabletop is the belief. Okay, so let's just pick. I'm going to pick something that's not related to you for a second and then we'll circle back around. So let's pick people are good. People are generally good. Okay, that's your tabletop. And then the references or the data points are the legs. So if you've only got one data point that says people are good, how solid is that tabletop? Yeah, it's not very solid at all. It'll rock. It'll fall over immediately if something pushes it, or something happens. If you've got two or three references, how solid is the tabletop? It's a little more stable. How many reference points do you think you could come up with for people are generally good? Well, I could find a lot because I like, I like people. <laughs> I think the best of them. If you've got like 50 legs on the table, it's not going anywhere. It's a rock solid, strong belief. Equally, the opposite belief, people are generally bad. You could find references for that if you wanted to look for them, couldn't you? Katie and I had our phone stolen in Colombia this week by the security guard in the building. Like, really? Anyway, we fought them. If you want to read the story, uh, it's on my blog. Have a look at that. But there are references that go, actually, there are people who are bad. And if I wanted to back up the belief that people are generally bad, I could do. And I could build a strong belief. And every time I add a reference to people are bad, I'm almost knocking out a reference to people are good. And I get to decide which belief I want to act with. And actually, for me, I have found that in life, the best way to act is that people care. They want you to succeed. And I have chosen that belief and I keep backing it up. And there's people like you who are nice to me. And you you sent me a lovely drawing for my anniversary with Katie. And like people are just generally nice to me. And it's incredible. And like I just feel full of love. And so that's how I want to operate in life. So I choose that belief and then I back it up. What I think happens to people quite often is they look for the stuff to doubt the beliefs that they have. So like, let's just go with the belief that you are a good artist. Jamie Dillon, great artist. That's the belief. How many references have you got for good artist? I have the successful Kickstarter. I have clients that pay me for my art. I have this job where I'm getting a lot of praise from the client. That's pretty good. I don't, I don't feel the confidence in your uh, voice there, but that's pretty oh, good. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom likes my drawings. Um, but on the other side, how many people have tried to kick out those legs of Jamie as a good artist? I mean, my last job <laughs> and for a while, like it wasn't just once, you know, it was like two and a half years of like, ah. So they've been like slowly chipping away at the legs to your belief. Yes. So it became weaker and weaker. And then you doubted yourself. Am I really a good artist? Like I've had this belief, but am I really? Like it's a bit unstable. And then you kind of sat there at home and you create a drawing that you're not as happy with. And then all of a sudden, because your table is a bit rocky, because your belief is not there, it kind of wobbles. And then you get these thoughts of, am I really a good artist? Like it's wobbling. And actually what we need to do is build your table back up, Jamie. We need to build your confidence back up because you are a good artist. I've seen your art. Thank you. At one point you said like you are or are not a good art. Like I, I know we're not supposed to really label ourselves. Like to say I'm a good artist, it means that 
you know, I am this thing that's unfallible thing. And it's like, I do drawings, you know, some of them are successful, some of them are not like to say, you know, I mean, maybe I'm just getting a little too like philosophical about it. You know what I mean? Like, is it even positive to say I'm a good artist? Like, is it positive to have this like, can do attitude, I'm a good artist, or should I just see each work as I worked hard on this, I put the effort into this? So like, I'm going to give you two analogies. One, let's take a sports person. I don't really care what sport, tennis, golf, cricket, you know, boomerang, who knows what, a sport. They're all, all the same to me, yeah. <laughs> except for powerlifting. They're all the same to me. <laughs> well, take a powerlifter. Like if a powerlifter has one off day, does that mean they're not a great powerlifter? No. No. And like, take me, I believe, this is going to sound a little bit arrogant, but it's a belief I have. I believe I'm a very good presenter. I've been told many times my presentations are great. I have good ability to storytell. Do you think I get the off day occasionally? Yes. Even you, Alan. <laughs> I'm human, just like everyone else, and I have the off days. But if I have the belief that I'm a great presenter, that doesn't mean I don't continue to learn. It doesn't mean I don't continue to grow. But it just gives me this belief and confidence that when I go out there, like actually being a great presenter is a lot about your confidence. Like if you go out there confident and you throw yourself into it, it's incredible. And I remember watching this video back in the day about dancing. I'm not a good dancer. Okay, I have a fairly strong belief and a lot of evidence to back that up. And I was watching this video of this guy about dancing and he said, dancing is confidence. Like it doesn't really matter what you do. If you throw yourself into it with absolute confidence, you'll look like you know what you're doing. And he like did a nervous dance and I was like, oh, wow, I can see you're nervous. And then he did a confidence dance and he would, his dancing technically was probably dreadful, but he looked like he was having fun. He looked cool. And confidence is such an element that I don't think we really explore enough. And the belief that you're a good artist, I don't think it's arrogant. I don't think it's bad. It doesn't mean you won't have the off drawing every now and again where you're perspective in the buildings in the background is wrong or whatever. It doesn't mean it won't go wrong every now and again. It just means that you feel confident that you'll have another go. And I feel confident I can have another go and I can put myself out there. So I believe that, and this is a belief about belief, I believe that the beliefs are incredibly useful to keep you going forwards positively. Doubting yourself, like, let's have a look at this a slightly different way. How long do you spend doubting yourself each day, Jamie? Quite a bit, Alan. Quite a bit. <laughs> Maybe we could put some minutes on this. Like, is it once an hour for 10 minutes? Is it? Hmm. Let's see. I mean, once an hour for 10 minutes would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's let, like I'm having a good day. I'm having a good day. But let's say like while I'm working on something, I'm constantly disliking the work I'm doing, unsure if it's like, I'll sometimes finish work. I had a day this week where I finished my work and I looked at all the drawings I did and I, I'm so lame, but I cried because I'm like, these are so nice. No, it was good crying, but I cried oh, for bad crying. things too. good crying, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, 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 but like, I know, because I've already told you I do cry for bad drawings. I literally do. Like I have moments where I'm working and the drawing isn't working out and I cry. And then I had a moment where I looked at all the work. I had such a productive weekend last weekend and I did work for work. I did client work. I did my comic and I was like, I did so much. And I was so happy because I think we've talked about before, like my single motivating purpose is like to create art and stories mm. um, that help draw people together and give them purpose and meaning in their lives. 
so when I am doing that, it's like I'm literally living my purpose when I'm creating art and stories that are effective and, and attractive and beautiful and, and you know, that are good. So I don't know what's working. I was so happy I started to, to tear up because I was like, I'm living my purpose. But then like within a day, you know, I'm back to questioning. Like that moment is so fleeting, the moments of good. And there's almost like, I don't feel like I deserve this happiness. That's why part of me always feels like the bottom is going to fall out of things. Like I just don't deserve this happiness. And I know like, I agree with you. Like, I'm, you know, here I am trying to look at the past, like what's the source of these feelings. And I agree that like it, this sort of over psychoanalyzing ourselves isn't really necessary and or useful. I do think there is something useful at finding the source of it, not to say this is where the source is. And so thusly I will never change, but more like <laughs> this is the source. Understanding. Yeah, understanding. And then I can start to break apart that, you know, knowing where the source was. But I don't know if there is always a source. Like, I just know even when I was a kid, I was depressed. I still had this feeling. I felt like the world is such a bad place. Why do I deserve to be happy? I think a lot of this ties together with, you know, why I feel like I'm not allowed to live my dreams and have like a good, satisfying life. There's a lot there. I'm going to come back to the satisfying life bit in a second. How many hours do you think a day do you spend doubting yourself? Let's say on a good day. Yeah, I will say on a good day, I spend like maybe an hour split up through the day. And on a bad day, it could just be like all day. Maybe like, I don't know, half of my day, a third of the, this thing's excessive, a fourth, a fourth of the day doubting myself. So we say on average two hours a day. Let's do that. I mean, if we're going to put a time to my doubt, which I've never done, which is an odd question, let's say two. Let's just. <laughs> I'm full let's of just, odd questions yeah, for you. Let's just randomly say, sure, I doubt myself. Two hours a day split into 10 minute increments over the course of the day. So that's 14 hours a week. Okay. And then 14 times 52. So we're talking 728 hours a year of doubt. Of it's doubt. A lot. It's a lot of doubt. 728. <sighs> let's say you like eight hour working day, that's 91 working days a year doubting yourself. Imagine what else we could do with that time. What else could Nobody you do with that, that time? I'm, I'm shaking my head knowingly like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. What else could I do with that time? The things I could do, the things I could do with that time. <laughs> we could have fun with that time. We could have fun with that time. I could get projects done. I could go for more walk. Like there's just so much I could do with that time. It's interesting, isn't it, when you look at it from a slightly different perspective? Yeah. And then we get back to the, it's your life. This is your life, and you get to choose how you spend it. Most people don't think you get to choose how you spend it. They're like, well, that's the way I think. You know, that's it. That's just it. And I kind of have a different point of view. You get to decide. You get to decide who you are, what you do with your time, what you want to do. And yes, sometimes it doesn't feel like we get to decide because this is a repeating pattern and we've been stuck in it for a while and it keeps coming back. I understand that. I completely understand that. I've been there. I had a lot of those for a long time. However, with some tools, with some skills, with some ideas, we can take back our time. And 91 days a year. Like, seriously, what would you three, do? Three months. What does that what really would you do? Jesus. Do another comic, that's for sure. Maybe <laughs> from another Kickstarter if I ever finish this one. <laughs> it's like an entire new Kickstarter or an entire new one a year. There's an entire new comic and story living your purpose. 
But that's huge. I know. I love it. So now, Alan, how do you just magically snap one's fingers and stop self-doubting? Isn't and that get that 90 days back? Are you willing to let go of the doubt? Yes. I am because I'm actually sick of it. Like sometimes I tell my therapist, oh my God, did I tell you I swore at myself in therapy? Well, I mean, it, it was hilarious. <laughs> I was talking to my therapist last weekend about my new job and how much work I have. And I said, you know, cause I'm so worried about my drawings. And then I said, Jamie, shut the fuck up. Like you're the creative director on this. You're literally the creative director on your first project at this new company. You don't have time to feel bad about your drawings. You don't have time for this. You literally don't have time. Shut the fuck up and finish your work. I, and I did. And it felt really nice to just for a moment because the, the deadline was is tight, tight, tight. It felt really nice to just tell my brain, shut the fuck up and let me get on with things. So I think it is possible. I think it is possible. I am literally sick of feeling bad all the time. And I like when I was in my teens, I totally liked my sad 90s grunge music. And I was like, <laughs> totally living my best goth life, you know, like listening to The Cure, crying in my room, putting my dark makeup on, still love The Cure. And I did try to listen to the grunge lately. It was pretty depressing stuff. But The Cure is still awesome. And yeah, I was just loving feeling bad for myself all the time. And I know that and I do not want to feel bad for myself it actually makes me sick to my stomach, this feeling sorry for myself. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to feel it. I really don't. I really want to move on from these feelings and not have them and move forward into a life where I feel good, where I feel confident and where I'm creating and producing because that gives me so much joy. And I fucking turned 40 this year. I mean, I know I'm not old, but like, I'm not young either. Life is short, you know? <laughs> let's get like, on with this. Let's get on with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to scream. Your levels are like going crazy now. But honestly, like, I don't have time for this shit anymore. I don't have time to feel, sit around feeling sorry for myself. I need to just move forward with my life. I love that. And this is the motivation that we need. This is the motivation we need. So for everyone listening to this, the mental side of the entrepreneurship game is huge. And this is the critical stuff because we spend so much time doubting ourselves, thinking about what could go wrong as opposed to actually doing things. And if we actually just did and got on with it, it's incredible what we can produce and where we can get to. Before we let go finally, Jamie, uh, there's this something called secondary gain, which I don't know if you know about. But secondary gain is we indulge in behaviors that we don't actually enjoy, but secretly we're getting something out of it. Mm. So when someone is overeating and they feel guilty and they know they should stop, uh, what might they be secretly getting out of the overeating? Well, as an overeater myself, I can <laughs> Me answer too. this one for you. Well, when I overeat from the stress, it feels, I mean, it tastes good, right? It tastes good. And so mm -hmm. for that moment when I'm like enjoying the peanut butter straight from the jar, I'm not thinking about my problems. I actually feel better. It's very short-lived. It's as long as the peanut butter's in my mouth. And then once I'm done, I feel terrible because I ate like, so many, like every tablespoon of peanut butter is 100 calories. So if, FYI, if you're eating it from the jar, my God. So then I feel super bad after and super guilty, but there is a temporary release of pain from this physical enjoyment that I'm getting. Yes. And there may be other benefits as well, such as significance, like, oh, look at me, I'm sad, I have to overeat. And then you feel significant to other people. There's all sorts of things it does for us. And so your doubt 
is trying to do something positive for you and you're probably getting something out of it as well. So part of this is figuring out how to fulfill your needs in a different way. Do you get significance out of talking about your doubt? I think so, because in this sort of weird, angsty artist way, feeling sorry for myself. And like I said, like when I felt used to enjoy that depression, yeah, I definitely got something from it. And like my therapist had even mentioned that I have an addiction to this dopamine high of stress and anxiety, you know, causing myself that like I get a short lived one from positive experiences, but then it goes away. So then I give myself this constant stress of not good enough, not this, not that constantly, constant, constant, because that gives a jolt to my system. And I can, I feel it like I don't like it anymore, but it's given me more than just nothing, you know? So do you think that you are willing to negotiate with yourself to find a different way to be able to get that benefit and let go of the doubt? Yeah. I mean, if it's possible, I would love to let go of that doubt. Like I'm trying so hard to find ways to change my brain. And I, I have obviously, I mean, I think anyone could see that I've made a lot of gains because I this job, my old job that I was terrified to leave because I didn't think I'd find anything better. I quit on a, you know, not a sure thing with the confidence that I will find something else. So anything's got to be better than this bullshit. So certainly I know that I have improved, that I can improve, that I have been able to change my thinking. I sometimes feel like it's two steps forward, one step back though. You know, at least it's not two steps back, one step forward, but I do feel like I'm (laughs) always kind of going backwards a little bit. And I wish that I didn't have to have so many of those step backs. Yes, I think we all wish we didn't have to have quite as many steps back. It happens to the best of us. I think what we need to do is find a way to satisfy that part of you that needs this in a more positive way. And to give you the extreme example, if you think about gamblers who are really gambling and really going into debt, they know they're messing up their life, but they're on the high of finding that one next win and the next thing and they get something out of it, but they know it's costing them their family, their future and everything else. And it's really interesting how these things happen. So if we look at the six basic human needs, we look at variety. People want variety. People want connection. I need to connect with other human beings. People actually want security or things to stay the same, which is actually quite often directly opposed to variety. Like I need things to change, but I want security and things to stay the same. And then you look at the fourth significance. Does gambling give you significance? Because you can talk about your wins, because you can talk about your losses. It gives you huge significance. Does it give you variety? Yeah. It's different every single time. Does it give you security? No. Well, you know there's going to be a result every time. So in a strange way, it gives you a, like, you will get an outcome every single time. Uh, Does it give you connection? To other gamblers. Sometimes. Sometimes. And actually, anything becomes addictive when it fulfills at least three of those human needs. So if you get variety, if you get certainty, if you get connection, if you get significance, then you can actually get addicted to a behavior. Overeating, does it give me variety? Yeah, there's all kinds of things you can eat. (laughs) (laughs) All the nut butters I I could eat, Alan. Almond, cashew, peanut, hazelnut. Does it give me certainty of a feeling? Yeah, definitely. Mm Mm-hmm. 
absolute certainty gives me that feeling. Can it give me significance? How would you say that? Look at me, I'm overeating because I'm stressed, I'm working hard and I'm important. And oh, Yeah, or like for me, I'm like, uh, I work out so much, so it's okay that I'm overeating today because I'm <laughs> such a hardworking like, powerlifter, blah, blah, blah. Significance. So suddenly you're addicted to it. And it's really interesting how we get addicted to these two things, these things through these human needs and looking at it like that. And then the final two human needs, which I've kind of left off the list, because these are some of the positive human needs of growth. Like people get addicted to growth. Do you get growth out of going to the gym, Jamie? Getting my fucking gains. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got growth going to the gym and working out. Do you get significance? Yes, definitely. Super Mm -hmm. awesome, strong, hot person, super significant stuff. And you get certainty? Yeah, because, well, I have my routine all planned out. I know what to expect. I know what numbers I want to hit. There's definitely a certainty there. So you've got yourself addicted to the gym. There's a positive addiction. Yeah. And it's really interesting. And then the final one is contribution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Contribution is I felt like I helped someone. I have a need to help people. I have, uh, I felt like I've given, I felt like I've done at work. People are proud of me. Like I felt like I've contributed. Yeah, actually it's funny. Cause I, I am even meeting with a friend tomorrow to give him a, a training plan for free, just cause he's my friend. I want to help. I do give my friends a lot of fitness advice. So there's definitely a contribution <laughs> side to that as well. That's really funny. And so we've got these six human needs and we find different ways to fulfill them. Some of them are positive and some of them are negative. And The problem is, is quite often what people do is they try and stop something without having something to replace it, to give you the same things. So if you just try and stop the self-doubt without having a replacement behavior that fulfills your needs, you're going to go back to the doubt because it's a reliable way to fulfill your needs. So we need to, here's the basic process, and you've already done this for yourself. We need to ramp up the pain to go, I have to give up this because it's too painful. And then we need to ramp up the pleasure that we're aiming towards. Like, think what you could do with 91 days. Think of the fun we could have. Think of the drawings we could create, the projects we could do, the pleasure. And we ramp it up. Yeah. I just also, like, I just don't want to feel shitty anymore. Like, I don't like that feeling. And I do like feeling positive. I do like feeling confident. I just, when I start to have those positive feelings... My brain is like, don't you do it? Like, as if like, it's so stupid because if thinking about something made it go away, wouldn't I have no self-doubt? <laughs> like, like it doesn't, my brain is like not listening to its own rules of jinxing, you know, it's, it's so dumb. But yeah, like I love feeling confident and when I'm confident, I do better work because I'm motivated and I'm not as tired and I'm not procrastinating. So I love that feeling. I want to feel confident. And I know that confidence isn't, I'm the best artist confidence is I'm doing the best I can. And I know the work I'm doing is getting better and better each time I draw, you know, that is confidence. Confidence is, you know, this drawing might suck and that's okay. We'll move on and do another one and figure it out. That's what confidence is. And that's what I want to feel. I don't want to feel that I do something that I'm like, Oh, I suck. Why did I take on? This is too much. I'll never be able to finish in time, blah, blah, blah. So let's give you some tools to deal with the negative stuff. And then let's look at what to go with the positive stuff. The first thought is, and this actually comes from Katie. She had a few of her own demons. That's a surprise, surprise, like all of us have. Katie. Oh, even gorgeous Katie has demons. Everyone does. It's part of life. 
and is staying, I think she got this from her coach, is when this particular side of Katie comes up, she goes, I don't negotiate with terrorists. And <laughs> she will not negotiate with this side of her that's trying to attack, drag down and fight. And she just like, I will not negotiate with you. Like, you can't be reasoned with. I've tried reasoning with you for decades. It's not worked. I'm just not going to negotiate. I'm not even going to accept it. And then the second bit that's actually, this is one helped me so much. And you actually used it yourself uh, recently. I was taught this many years ago on a training course, and it was to deal with my own negative thoughts and self-doubts. And it was a mantra that I could repeat if I ever got in trouble. So sometimes you get that voice, I'm not good enough, I can't draw, I can't do this, I'm just not good enough. And the mantra is, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. And then once you've shut it up, you go off and do something positive because you can't leave a void. And this is part of the problem. If you have a void, a space, then that negative voice can creep back in. So you need to shut it up, not deal with it, and then go off and do something positive that will raise your energy, make you move forwards. A replacement strategy to help you get your needs fulfilled that were being fulfilled from the other thing. And if we can do that, if we can stop negotiating with it, because how long have you been negotiating with the self-doubt? Oh my God, as long as I can remember. Does it ever work? Does it ever work? No, I guess not. You mean like working with it, like living with it or like telling it to go away? No, working with it, like negotiating, having a chat yeah. with it. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't, <laughs> I don't feel good ever. It feels terrible. So let's stop negotiating. Let's silence it. And let's look forward to what you can do differently. So what can we do that will positively fulfill your needs and help you to feel good. Because if we can help you to feel good, we can silence it. We can break the pattern and we can help to start feeling confident going forwards. And this strange feeling of confidence may or may not flood your body when you're ready for it that might replace it. And then you can just draw and you've got all this time to create that you weren't using before. Like right now, like before this, our meeting, I was doing some color composition for work. I was planning the colors, doing my creative direction. I was thinking these color comps look terrible. I'm such a bad director. I'm never going to get, they're taking too long. They're not even that nice. And then I started to spiral. Do I just tell myself to shut the fuck up? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what's the next step? Like, Well, is spiraling about it ever going to fix it? No, it's not useful. Didn't we talk about that? I had once learned that special phrase, is this useful? No. Is it useful to tell myself I'm not good? No, it's not useful at all because I already have the job and it has to get done. So it doesn't matter really what I think. I still have to do it and I have to figure out a way to do it. And it's not useful to think I'm not good. And anyways, they're not even probably that bad. Oh, see, it feels weird to even say that though, Alan. It feels weird to be confident. It feels weird to be confident. And th this is something that's really important. Lots of people say to me, like, Alan, it's uncomfortable doing what you're saying. I'm like, of course it is. You've not done it. <laughs> it's so different. And for a while, Jamie, it's going to feel so different being confident. You're going to go, this doesn't feel right. This feels weird. What am I doing? Why? Like, this doesn't feel like me. I'm not a confident person. But after a while of working on it, 
and you start to feel a bit more confident and it happens a few more days out of seven and then it happens four days out of seven and then confidence feels a bit more natural. It's like a coat. You know, you get a new coat and you're like, this feels a bit weird to start with. This isn't as well worn as my old coat. This is not right. It's a bit uncomfortable. But then you wear it for a while and... I know after a few months, you're like, I never want to wear any other coat again. This coat is amazing. I love it. It feels comfortable. It's worn in. It's right. And it's going to feel weird feeling confident for a while because you're not used to it. Does that mean it's wrong? No. (laughs) And I tell you what, I have lived both ways. Most people do not believe this when I tell them, but I was the most unconfident young person you could ever meet. I was bullied heavily at school. I couldn't talk to strangers. I just I couldn't get a girlfriend. I hated life when I was younger. I was the most unconfident kid that you ever could have met. But somewhere along the line, I decided that that life wasn't for me. <laughs> I don't want to live like that. I want to live confident. Then I started to try on confidence and I tested it out. I wore it for a while, put it in my wardrobe. It was like, oh, confidence is a bit weird. I feel a bit strange. And now, like confidence is my favorite outfit. Like if I'm going to get dressed up in the morning, I want to wear confidence and happiness, like the best clothes you could possibly wear. And I go out there into the world, confident, happy, bumbling along the street in the sunshine, having fun, just living life. And what a wonderful way to live. So do you think you're willing to try confidence and happiness as your new outfit? Yeah, I'm super willing to try. Okay. Are you willing to let go of the doubt? Yes. What will you do if the doubt rears its ugly head? Because it's going to come back occasionally. It's going to go, why aren't you wearing me today? I've been out of the wardrobe every day for the last 20 years. What are you leaving me behind for? Well, very specifically to my art, I don't always tell it to fuck off, though maybe I will after I finally get this driven into my head. I'm going to say, is this useful right now? Because honestly, Alan, the God's honest truth is anyone can improve anyone, not just me. Anyone can improve their art the more they practice and the more they draw. So if telling myself like my art sucks doesn't help because it's stupid. The more I do what I'm doing, the better I'll get. And the only way I'll get better is to do the the work. So (laughs) telling myself I suck is ridiculous. It's pointless. It doesn't make any sense because I'm literally learning as I go. I'm learning, I'm improving. And that's part of the process. That's just 100% part of the process. So let's replace that thing. Oh, I suck with how can I make version two better? Yeah. Yeah. All right. How can I make version two better? I love it. And then we make version two? Yeah, because when I go back now, I'm going to look at my color comps. And instead of being like, eh, these suck, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. What can I do to make these better? And they're probably not as bad as I thought. (laughs) Who is your harshest judge? Out of everyone in the world, who is your harshest judge? This girl right here. (laughs) And sometimes does she ignore everyone else who tells her that she's doing a good job? And she goes, well, I don't care what they say. I don't believe I am. Yeah, clearly I'm a terrible friend because I often listen to myself more than my friends when it comes to uh, self-doubt or confidence. It's really interesting. Some of the stuff I say to Katie, we've had a few arguments over the years and I said to her, if she treated herself, like if anyone else treated Katie the way she treats herself, 
I would have fought them by now. Like if anyone else treated her as badly as she did, I would have taken them outside. I would have had a fort. I would have battled them. I would have got a restraining order. Like she's so nasty to herself sometimes. And we've actually had that discussion. Like, please be nice to my wife. I love her. Be nice to her. She deserves it. And it's fascinating how badly we treat ourselves. And what I would love to say to everyone out there, including you, Jamie, is be nice to yourself. You're lovely. Treat yourself with respect. Treat yourself with care. Look after yourself. You're awesome. Let's be nice to you. Do you think you could be 27% nicer to yourself this week for me? For you, Alan, I'll be 28%. (laughs) (laughs) Which then brings the question, how are you nicer to yourself? What does this actually mean? This means when I think my drawing is bad, I say, is this useful? No. The whole point is that I'm improving and I'm getting better and these drawings are better than the last ones. And one bad drawing doesn't mean that I can't draw. Nobody posts their worst art online. Everyone posts their best. Mm -hmm. So you can't compare yourself. Exactly. You can't compare yourself. It's like comparing yourself on Instagram. If I looked on Instagram at everyone's pictures, I think everyone would be living their best life in champagne and jets and stuff like that. And if I compared myself to that, I would not do it. But that's comparing my worst moments to their best moments. That definitely does not help. And let's say you have, do you have any artist friends? Quite a few. Okay. You don't have to tell me who, but imagine one of them that you particularly like. Got them? Done. Okay. If anyone spoke to that person like you speak to yourself, what would you do to them? Oh my God. I'd be so fucking mad at that person. They're such a fucking idiot for saying that. And they're wrong. I know idiot's not a nice word. They're such a jerk. And I would tell them so. Or I'd tell my friend to just ignore them. I love that your line on language is idiot. Well, (laughs) (laughs) because it has like historical use and all this stuff. It's like the R word, you know, you just, there's, there's a, there's, there's history associated with it. Mm. <laughs> but you wouldn't accept it. You would not accept it for anyone else but you. So please, will you raise your standards for how you're willing to treat yourself? Yes. And this is so important for all of us because we all go through this. Every single one of us goes through this and we treat ourselves harshly. We treat ourselves badly and it doesn't actually help us to get where we want to get. And we're going to show you compassion and care and we're going to look after you. And then we're going to say, how can we make version two even better? And we're going to focus on improving because I'll tell you what, if you can just feel better each day, if you can stop the doubt and feel better and look after yourself It is unbelievable where you can get to, what you can create, how much fun you can have in the world creating art and stories that inspire, educate, and transform. It is unbelievable what you can do, Jamie. Thank you, Alan. Well, I was not expecting this for our final episode together. I thought we'd do some kind of mundane review of each episode and what we've learnt, which would have been fun. But actually, I think this is a fascinating way to end the series because a lot of what we've spoken about is battling these demons and just freeing ourselves to be able to do what we want to do. And if we can free ourselves to go forth and create, if we can let ourselves go out there 
maybe even eventually become our own cheerleader. Maybe that's a step too far right now. (laughs) But it's unbelievable what we can create. So, Jamie, this has been an episode and a half. What I would love from you right now is what are your closing thoughts for people out there? The creatives, the entrepreneurs, the people who are taking risks, the people who are doing things, the people who've listened to this entire series. Like, what do you want to say to them? And maybe even this is you saying what you need to hear at the same time. Well, if you listen to my whole journey, including last week's very special episode, sometimes you're going to get derailed and things that you weren't expecting to happen are going to happen, like your dad dying and finalizing your divorce, etc. So that's going to happen and you can't really foresee them. But it's okay. Like it's okay if you get behind, you just pick up and you keep going. And as we just went over today with all the self-doubt, when I look back and I listen to those old episodes of myself being so unsure and the one the me now is honestly so different than like god, what is it? 13, 14 episodes ago. Um I really see that progression and it means that all these tools really do work that if you do put in the work mentally, you can actually shift your thinking and you can accomplish amazing things. And it's really just one step at a time. And it's funny too, to listen to those old episodes and see, you know, I had specific tasks and I didn't do a lot each week, but I did enough that I got this Kickstarter done and I'm behind in it, fulfilling it, but it's still moving forward. I'm giving updates to my backers. It's slow, but you just don't stop. If you just don't stop, you'll finish it at some point. I I don't know if that was a good, yeah. Sorry. I don't know if that was a good (laughs) final thought, but there you have it. Sometimes shit happens in life and you just got to keep moving forward and it's okay if it's slow. Just don't stop. And you just keep going. I love that. I love that. What a journey this has been. Will you come back on the show from time to time and update us with what's going on, Jamie? Because I I don't feel ready to let go. I feel like I owe you at least one episode where the Kickstarter is complete and I can tell everyone who's been listening to this scene how they're going to fulfill a Kickstarter and super disappointed that we didn't talk about that at all. So maybe in two months we can be like, everything's shipped. Let me answer all your questions about shipping <laughs> and printing and all that crazy <laughs> jazz. So yeah, definitely. I think we should do that. But we'll say this is the end of today's, you know, coaching series. And I'll, I'll give you an update down the road. I would love that, Alan. I don't want this to end either. I know. I know. Uh, But you are actually back for the next episode because the next episode we have Christina from season one, you and the star of season three on an episode together. (gasps) What? (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time recording that episode it was slightly unfair so the coaching series we've got one more episode with all three of the people who've been in the coaching series and then the new guy his name is andrew alinda Uh, he runs a youtube channel called cali to the crowd about calisthenics getting fit his first episode is how to monetize your youtube channel so if you've got a blog, if you've got a podcast, if you've got a YouTube channel and Instagram, there is an incredible wealth of ideas about how to monetize your channel that we've got coming up. So we will be starting that. Andrew, Andrew had listened to every one of your episodes that have come out, Jamie, and every one of Christina's. Uh, he was almost a bit starstruck meeting you both on that call. And that was a lot of fun. 
I thought I was going to get a lot more abuse from the three of you than I did. <laughs> yeah, I regret I should have pushed a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we've got coming up. What a journey this has been with season two of the coaching series. Season three starting next week with that first episode. The final closing thought and closing message for everyone listening to this is if we can spend a little bit less time doubting ourselves, if we can spend a little bit less time feeling bad, if we can spend a little bit more time feeling good, if we can increase our confidence so that we feel a little bit better each day and we can take that time that we used to spend on the bad stuff and we can invest it in doing cool stuff and improving. And we can use the tools that have been littered through these episodes to help ourselves feel better every day. It is incredible what changes because the world is a completely different place when you're confident. Like just for a second with me, imagine there are two worlds. World number one is where all the unconfident people live. They don't like to leave the house. They don't do things. There's no parties. They feel nervous talking to strangers. No one ever meets each other. That's world number one. World number two is where all the confident people live. And there's confident people walking around. They say hello to each other on the street. When they're buying coffee, they smile and get eye contact with the person behind the counter. There's where all the parties happen. It's all the businesses are launched. Things happen. And there's confident people swanning around everywhere. And as far as we know, unless Star Trek was correct, there is only one world. However, this world can feel like a completely different place when you're feeling confident. So if you can just spend some of your time looking after yourself, being nice to yourself and feeling more confident every day, the world will feel like a different place. So please spin that feeling of confidence, take it out there, go and build an extraordinary life. And thank you for listening to the Rebel Coaching Series with Jamie and I. Jamie, thank you for being so open, sharing your thoughts, ideas, insecurities, and helping us all to realize we're not alone. <laughs> Everyone goes through this. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.